0: It's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's a new life. Welcome to 2020, and thank you for listening. This is Focus. I'm Ron Cisco, and uh, i'm I'm still kind of scatterbrained about this. Um unfortunately, I've been sick all day. I'm still kind of sick right now. Uh, and I was really hoping to record this episode yesterday because it kind of inspired myself. Uh, I, I inspired myself, if you will, uh, to to kind of think about this topic just a little bit um and and really i couldn't so here i am it's 2020 i'm freaked out i'm freaked out that's a number that i just i never saw coming i i guess i saw it coming I, we've been talking about it all month and even a little before but but it it the reality is here the reality has hit me along with every new year comes a slew of promises regrets about what we did wrong last year or in this case The whole last decade, we look back on the people who have passed, the people who we've lost, the people we've gained, and the changes we've made in our lives. And um, gosh, you know, like that's, that's crazy. Uh, A lot of us feel like 2019 kicked us in the ass. And honestly, I would agree with that. Even though I've had a pretty good 2019, um, especially the last few months, the first couple of months of 2019 have been really, really tough for me. Uh, I was I was pretty pretty sullen I would say in depression, and um, while I've had a wonderful recovery and thanks to my wife and some wonderful circumstances, I was able to kind of reach out of that. Uh, not everybody got that chance, and, and it was a pretty rough way to end an entire decade. So what do we have in parallel from 2010 to 2020? Uh, let's see. I'm married, um, different marriage, but but uh, but still the same outlook when you're when you're married. You, uh, you still look at those things, and you, you really hope for the best, and I do. And we're we're doing pretty crazy things, and um, I've met some wonderful people, especially on the road, um, getting the chance to meet these people that I've I've known on the internet for years, and uh, actually see them face to face, give them a handshake, tell them I love them, go shooting with some of them. Um, it's it's been really, really crazy, but as we look on to. A new day, a new year and all of the things that have changed. I know that from uh, 2010 to 2020 uh, a lot has changed in me. I've met a lot of people I've've let a lot of people change my life and I've uh, I think I've taken a lot more agency in myself. One of the things that was wonderful about turning 30 was the revelation that turning 30 wasn't really too much different from your 20s only that you had more to say uh, I think I think one of the most important part Parts of, uh, of growing up isn't being an adult, it's understanding what being an adult is. And uh, being an adult is, um, well, it's a secret formula. We all know it from experience and not because we're told it. And uh, even if you're told the answer to the question, what is being an adult, it's not, it's not a lesson you would learn. Being an adult is taking responsibility for your actions and being an adult is having agency in your own life. When you're 18 years old and you do something stupid like, I don't know, join the army or go to college, you you still don't have agency over your life. You're letting other people make decisions for you. And I'm not saying that's a negative thing. It's actually a wonderful way to start what is supposed to be adulthood. But, um, but it does mean that you 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 don't get to be responsible for your decisions which is tough it's tough i know that a lot of people had started making those decisions for themselves a lot earlier on 15 16 years old some earlier than that and uh, and a lot of us didn't have to start making those decisions until later at least we got to choose when we got to make those decisions taking agency in yourself is probably the most important step you can make in any sort of um improvement I guess Uh, looking back on therapy looking back on uh, positive change in general positive change only happens when you yourself can make the decision to change something now you can allow someone to make changes for you that's that's completely possible it's not without the realm of possibility you can you can allow someone else to drive your car but the car isn't always going to go where you want to go and letting someone make decisions for what they think is best for you will never end in happiness. Being able to say, this is what I think I want, or, or at least saying, I want to explore this venue, gives you the opportunity to, to chase happiness. And while you won't always be right, in fact, you're going to make a lot of mistakes along the way, being able to say that you've given something a try on your own will always give you the experience to understand what you wanted later. And at the end, it, it can help you. It will usually help you. Very, very rarely. Will making a bad decision hurt you in the long term? The craziest thing about that agency is if you grow up in an environment um, where, where you have kind of that responsibility over other people, it's very difficult to let go. Especially if you grow up and you mature as an adult and then you decide to have children. Don't take this uh, as a, a me knocking people who have children, but having that continued agency over other people is something that you just learn to do with muscle memory. Always trying to help other people uh, I don't think I would say that I, I you know being generous I would say that 90% 95 90 to 95% of us don't intend malice when we recommend something to someone even if you legitimately hate someone you probably won't go out of your way to help them or make recommendations especially not ones that will be negative to them uh, you might do so sarcastically but but even if 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 your worst enemy were to say hey I really need your help here. Where can I go get my car fixed? You you would probably recommend a shop you know that is good, or at the very least you haven't had any problems with. It's addicting to want to be the person who provides great advice or good information. I mean, what am I doing here? Well, I'm offering my perspective, and hopefully, uh, in a way that isn't one that forces you into a different place. But, but it's you know I try to give you the thought process from where I took uh, my decision and my positions. And, um, and usually I don't tell you how you should feel or what you should do. When I discuss politics here, I like to talk about where we're coming from. I like to talk about the notions of what brings people to be conservative or what brings them to be liberal. And I like to talk about, um, well, uh, privately, I haven't really gotten into it on, on, on the, the podcast here. But when I like to talk about politics, one of the things that's most interesting to me is to see what the perspective that comes from uh, the other side would look at something and why, why they feel that way versus is it just as simple as demonizing the other side and then making your point right from there, which obviously, based on the way I'm talking about it now, means I don't believe in it. We'll, we'll talk about that later, though. What I can say, very importantly, is that understanding that that agency brings you a piece of control... That 99.9% of us require for some some, uh, fashion of peace. That it's important to allow people to have that. No one, zero people, 0% of people know what they want. They may think they know what they want. They may see a course plotted for for what they think they want. It's important to realize that 0% of people know what they want. It's like anything involving the military um having a plan is wonderful and it's important but that plan goes straight out the window as soon as you're getting shot at so what happens when things don't go to plan and i don't know how it goes for you but i always step back and take a second i used to react really poorly to pretty much everything i i would feel this um impetus if you will, it, it a force that felt just moving, and uh, and threw me usually anger at whatever was happening. And um, and as I realized the pattern, I was probably right around the 18 or 19 year old mark. Uh, I would I would slow myself down. I would feel it. I would breathe, and I would take a moment to react um, by a moment, usually four to ten seconds to react. So I never. Never really had an immediate reaction to anything. It actually makes things like streaming pretty difficult. I'm not afraid of anything because I always take a second to react before before the response. I, I still possess reflexes. I still have a gut response. But for the most part, if I don't feel like I'm in danger, I'm going to react. And when, when that happens on stream, it's kind of uh, dull. It's boring. I'm not going to scream at anything. I'm not going to freak out. Except on the rare occasion where, um, well, I got stuck on a boss for, I don't know, three hours. And when I finally beat him and uh, and moved to the next section, the game crashed. And I couldn't save. And, uh, and I think I broke that one in half. Nope, nope, I exploded that game in my hand. It wasn't my proudest moment, but it's one that I wear because it happened. When you take a moment to step back, when you take a moment... to to breathe and to realize what's happened when you see that your plan has come apart it becomes very clear where you could and could not go you get to learn about yourself and you get to learn about life and you get to see that it's never about what your plan destination was it's about how you find yourself in the journey Now, that's not to say that the journey is always worth it, and it's not to say that everybody gets pleasure out of that, but it does mean that you have an opportunity. And those things craft experiences that teach you who you are. Those circumstances are so ideologically important to who you are as a human being, and how you handle those things are so important to your character that it's incredible how willing we are to stand in the way of someone being able to make those decisions for themselves. Whenever I talk to people about racism, one of the most interesting subjects that I come to is uh, immigration usually, because that's that's usually what we're talking about, about racism in the United States. We talk about the differences between people and why uh, a person might be less desirable in the United States versus uh, any people who might have come before them. What's the difference between a person who emigrates today versus a person who would have emigrated 200 years ago? Why would a person who came over on the Mayflower present more value in their family line than, uh, than a person coming over today for a new new strike at life? Can you inherit value? Is it something that you're born into? I think the answer, very clearly, no matter who, is your, who you're asking that question to, is yes, you can inherit value. Should you be able to, different story. But it doesn't change the nature of a person. The fact of the matter is, if you look down a family line, especially when it comes to people with money, you'll see a line of people who become less and less valuable over time. I'm sure a lot of people are going to be up at arms about that, but the truth is, uh, dynasty dynasties, especially uh, long-running ones, but people who come from heirs, who come from heirs, who come from heirs of companies, become less and less responsible for what's going on because they don't care to be Somehow the words of that person are going to be more useful than a person who has completely uprooted their life and possibly their family to go set out to find a new world, to, to find some opportunity to be less scared of their day to day. Now, my intent wasn't to, to create an entire political conversation here, but, but the truth is there is less value in what is sedentary organic change, a change within a person, a change that is pursued by a person is so much more valuable because that person is constantly learning. One of the scariest things that we've done in history was allow churches to kill scientists. During the time we looked at it as witchcraft and we called it evil and the work of Satan or something familiar uh, familiar to that. But, But the truth is we were just suppressing progress. How many of those voices that we'd silenced over the thought of preserving godliness were people who would have advanced our society and worse yet how many people were convinced not to speak out about ideas that they'd had specifically because they didn't want to be burned at the stake one of the most important principles of technology is that everything that we do now would look like magic to someone 100 years ago or 50 years ago Could you imagine if you'd shown up in the 1970s with an iPhone? What would have happened? I mean, it wouldn't do anything. But a little screen that could play music. Music that probably sounded better than the stereo in your car. Imagine if you'd brought the music of today back to the 1930s or 1940s. I mean, they—they people wanted to kill Elvis over rock and roll. One of the longest-running jokes in history is that there are two things that you can count on, and only two things, death and taxes. Which is very interesting to me because it actually belies a third thing. There's a third thing that you can count on. Life will always change. Nothing remains stagnant. No matter where you are, no matter what you do, no matter what your industry, you will always have to change with the times. Tomorrow, your job may not be there. Tomorrow, your reality may not be there. Tomorrow, Pluto may not be a planet. And while we can make jokes about whether or not Pluto is or is not a planet, we don't have to joke about the fact that people believe that the Earth is flat. And while I thought that was a joke initially, people legitimately believe that the Earth is flat. People legitimately believe that vaccines cause autism, a pure fact that... A lot of people will take advantage of these days is that if you repeat something even if it's false over and over again even if there's an unmitigated amount of evidence proving otherwise that repeating it over and over again will allow someone to accept something as fact that is a dangerous truth. The interesting thing about life is that in my experience I have been taught that when you have two conflicting stories the truth lay somewhere in between. The problem with conflicting stories, is that there is usually a subjective uh, viewpoint involved in both of those. When you only have fact and then you have lies, that's a very different situation. And while a normal person might do at least a modicum of research and then dismiss a lie, a lot of us are too comfortable with the idea of just accepting a lie and just repeating it. We see it constantly. We see it on Facebook and Twitter. We see it all over Google. Just if you Google anything, you could Google the answer to a question and, uh, and receive multiple answers, sometimes diametrically opposed answers. It becomes very gray area. Where, where do you draw the line on correcting those things? And at what point are we responsible? When one side doesn't like that their outcomes are be- becoming the, uh, the negative outcome then do they for, feel persecuted? And does that persecu- persecution not shore up the the support from that base? It happens all the time. The problem is that when we don't draw the line, we become too comfortable. It's too easy to say, well, let's agree to disagree. When it's too uncomfortable, uncom- it's, it's too easy to say, well, this is not my business. But how legitimate is that? How fair is that? As we all expect that the answers would come to us, we should expect that people will do the right thing. The truth of the matter is, no one can be responsible for your personal agency. In an age when answers should be most available to you more quickly than they've ever been, you have to now do more research than ever before. And we're counted on not doing that because it's, it's obnoxious and we've become lazy. But if you are unwilling to do the absolute minimum, the absolute minimum to verify the truth, how can you be reasoned with? And if you are not given the opportunities to discover your own agency, if you are constantly bombarded by other people's opinions, then how will you ever learn to do the research for yourself? How will you ever learn to make the mistakes for yourself? When I was younger, I used to play a lot of games on, on, uh, uh, on the Nintendo. And uh, rather embarrassingly, I owned a Game Genie that I loved. I loved kind of messing with the game's programming, but I also loved that the Game Genie gave me the opportunity to beat games that I thought I had no chance to beat. Isn't that a crazy thought, though? That, that if, if you were to turn on a game and play it for five minutes and, and die immediately, and then your first thought is... Well, I I guess, uh, I guess that one's too hard for me. I guess, I guess there's no way I'm going to beat that. I'm going to go plug this into the game Genie, I'm going to look up the code, and then I'm going to play it with infinite lives and or infinite energy. And I will finish it, and it will be done. But I thought I was supposed to enjoy gaming. I thought that was the point. I thought that I was a gamer. And I called myself a gamer, but I wasn't, I wasn't really playing the games. I was cheating. I wasn't allowing the struggle to shape myself, and I wasn't allowing myself to learn from that. And then someone came along, and they offered me a shortcut. Someone came along and said, you do not have to struggle, you can just do it our way. And I don't know if you're uh, a gamer yourself, but if you're interested in the, the mechanics of game playing, uh, it's one, one thing that I discuss with my wife quite often, because when she watches me play a game, she'll notice like you only do the same thing over and over again. You have all of these other things available to you. And I say, sure, I could do that, or I can do what we call Dominant Strategy. In the game world, Dominant Strategy represents um, a gameplay features that are so either overpowered or so ubiquitous that you no longer have to learn anything else. In the game Assassin's Creed, for example, or in this case, Assassin's Creed 2 Brotherhood, uh, I'm... You, you, you should be using stealth and you should be navigating the streets um, more like the new rooftops and not the streets. and uh, And you should learn how to play the game and utilize things like throwing knives. Uh, I have a, a very expensive crossbow that I bought in the game that I, I just don't use because I don't need to. Every time I walk into a situation, unless unless the person who is going to um, uh, who's my target is going to run away, um, I, I don't have to be stealthy because I've gotten good enough at the sword combat that I could literally defeat 80 men, kill my target, and then kill 80 men on the way back, and not be worried about whether or not I could win. I would no longer have a reason to be better at the game. While it's certainly not cheating, it definitely changes the experience that the developers were intending you to have. They expected you to look at your utilities and say, these are the tools that I have available to me, allow me to craft an experience for myself. And while some people may go out of the way for themselves, I, I just don't have, I don't have it in me. I don't have that kind of patience to play a game that way. I will play it in, uh, I usually turn the difficulty up as hard as possible, but in the way that makes the most sense to me. The funny thing about life is that both of these scenarios are true. They both exist. You will do the dominant strategy thing until it stops working. You will go to work and you will smile and you will drink a pot of coffee and you will talk to your coworkers and you will get, it th- get through your day and come home and do the rest of the things that you have to do, spend time with your children, make dinner uh, until, until you can't anymore. You will do that. And um, when you get the chance to not do that, it becomes, it becomes hard to. Unless you are at your wit's end, unless you are broken and it is time to move on. Even when you are broken and it's time to move on, when you get the opportunity to apply for a new job, apprehension is your first thought. The thought that we could look at normal and say, well, maybe it's not as bad as I was making it out to be. Because the unknown is more fear-inducing. Than, then the pain than the suffering then what it is that you feel about your life that your soul is dying at your job the thought that you'll have to interview and renegotiate and restart your social conditions and reprove to everyone including your boss that you do in fact know what you're, you're doing and all you need is a little bit of space all of that is more terrifying And worse yet, you now no longer have insurance for 30 days. You might be fired from your new job because they just didn't think you fit in. That's what you left. You left comfort. The truth about agency is that every change is important. It's important that you go to that interview. It's important that you receive a job offer. It's important that you don't take the first offer they offer you. You never take the first offer. You never take the first offer. It's important that you look at that first offer and say, that's what they think I'm willing to accept, but they know I'm worth more. And that's terrifying. And it's important that you realize and you get comfortable with the thought that your life is going to change. And you know what the craziest thing about that is? It's all kind of an allegory for the rest of your life. Not just what's important for you, but advice from people you know is kind of like that old job. Well, of course, I know them. They would never, they wouldn't, they wouldn't try to hurt me. Advice from people you know is kind of like those cheat codes. The truth is, they know what they're talking about. They have a pretty good idea from their perspective. Of what you want but they're wrong I remember when I was younger my dad once told me he said um, I know that you you know that I know what you're going through and all of the things that that you want to do and I know that you're also the kind of person who wants to learn the hard way at the time those words felt so wise at the time, I felt like I just wasn't learning the lesson unless I learned it through experience. But the truth is, it's more complicated than that. My uh, my father had the idea that, that we were all, because we were related, we were all going to be the same person. I think a lot of parents get wrapped up in that same thought, that same uh, ideal. The, the, the agency that you have in your child as they grow up makes you feel more attached and more personal. It's a more personal attachment than when you just tell someone else a piece of advice. But we couldn't be more different people. No. The, the, the truth about my being unwilling to take his advice was more complicated than, than me simply wanting to learn things the hard way. The truth is that he kept trying to teach me how to fix a problem with a flathead screwdriver when I wanted to be using a Phillips. I have two New Year's resolutions for 2020, which is a stark contrast from most years when I don't make any because I generally don't believe in the practice. But this year I wanted to set out and do something for myself, so... Uh, Number one, rather comically, but also true, I would like to learn how to say, um, hello, my name is, goodbye, I love you, and thank you in 20 different languages. 20 different languages. And I would like to concentrate on that until I knew them, not just something I can forget, just something that became a part of me and my second new year's resolution is to mind my own business. And while the most cynical of you would look back and say, "Well, you're just now you're just cutting people out." No, no, no. That's that's not what we're looking for here at all. I need to I need to stop judging people. Part of the reason I started doing this in the first place is because I felt like I was continuously judging people. It's not what I want to do with myself. I have so many more important things to be thinking about. And for the most part, it's selective. If I see someone get out of a car in a handicapped parking space and they don't appear to be handicapped, that's none of my business. If I see someone trying to fix something and uh, and they're whatever they're doing is something that I'm familiar with and they're doing it in a way that I think is wrong, That's still none of my business if I'm at a shooting competition and I think your technique could be shored up if you just close the little gap in your grip. That's still none of my business. If I am at Walmart and I watch Karen lay the smack down on a cashier, I'm actually going to tell Karen to shut up. Truth is that one's also none of my business, but um, I I think we need to start making changes about how we treat customer service representatives. I used to be in retail and I used to be in fast food. And boy, let me tell you, I have seen the worst of it. And um and we don't we don't do enough to to tell people not to do that. So let's 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 kind of start telling people to to stop. But but if Karen's walking around that same Walmart and she's got her kids out of control and I can't stand them and they drive me crazy. That's still none of my business. I watch a lot of TikTok and I see all these videos about um, lesbian, gay, transgender, tattooed, Asian, Hispanic, black, mis- mixed race people uh, being approached by other people saying, hey, you know, you, you need to live your life differently or your tattoos are going to make it so that you never get a job or um, any, any sort of cultural things that they're uncomfortable with. Those things... Are none of their business the truth is i think that in in terms of our interpersonal relationships we've become too personal it's too easy to know everything about another person i saw a facebook post it was a political one and uh and somebody said something in regards to that facebook post and another person looked through their facebook photos to attack them personally about their weight no, I think a lot of our conflict could, could very easily be solved by it's none of your business. So I'm not going to tell you what to do with your life. And, uh, and I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. And I'm not going to give you advice on what to do. But I'm going to tell you that after 30 minutes of discussing what, what kind of transpired in my head, that uh, the 2020 and on, I'll be in less of your business and taking more agency in mind thank you for listening focus is a patreon supported podcast and it's wonderful to be back in 2020 i know this one's a little bit late but at the same time um maybe right on time for me at least it's wonderful to be here wonderful that that you're still listening thank you so much it really does mean a lot to me as jackie and i um have been traveling around the United States. Things have uh, things have definitely been a little bit more clear for me on a personal front, and I'm I'm so thankful to be have the time, to be have the time to have the time to be able to reflect on those things. Um, I'm I'm definitely pushing myself a little bit harder in the uh, competition shooting aspect, which I'm very proud of. Even though I hate watching my own performances, I've gained so much knowledge of myself just just reanalyzing those things. It's it's really kind of humbling to look at um, each match I shoot, I'll, I'll be writing an article about that pretty soon. Oh, yeah, someday, well, whatever. Um, but as I said, this is a Patreon-supported podcast, so I would like to thank uh, Vigilante, Anastasia Beaverhouse, and The White Prince and Enrique Ramos for the continued support. Thank you so much. You're keeping the lights on, and I love you so much because, I mean, thanks to you. Thanks to the year of support. We have another year of uh, of continued um existence i guess the, the jackie's been pretty much updating the blog by herself and uh and i won't i won't lie it's been maybe a little bit lazier on my part but but it's been interesting to be kind of uh be able to to concentrate on different aspects still i know this one was a little harder to dig through because I, there was a very complicated series of thoughts that led me to the place where i am right now uh especially the realization that i need to stay out of other people's businesses i know that's been a personal struggle of mine but um but but being able to kind of meditate on that today has been really helpful, really really enlightening. Um, but maybe you know, maybe maybe just in general, we're just way too apt to get in each other's businesses. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. It's okay. But still, if that if that resonates with you, if you decide to share this with someone, I hope you do so because 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 it meant something to you because it resonated with you because it it's important to you. And not because you think that other person needs to hear it. I'll see you when the plot requires it. In fact, the next time uh, I'll be posting, um, we'll, we'll have moved again. We're, we're leaving uh, tomorrow on the 2nd. We're, we're picking up and going. Even though we've been in the same place for a month, I feel ready to leave. It's kind of weird because I still feel like I'm leaving home again. So I, I'm still kind of unpacking those feelings. I'll see you when the plot requires it. Thanks again so much for being here. But until next time, be excellent to each other.